Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. You guys missed the rapture, in case you didn't hear. You missed the rapture yesterday. Some people were saying that the rapture was going to happen. Uh, that happens, you know, anytime that there's earthquakes and, you know, um, political climate is crazy. Uh, you know, you have earthquakes and hurricanes and wars and rumors of wars. Everybody starts freaking out and starts predicting the return of Jesus. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I remember when I was about... I don't know how old I was, probably about 14 years old. There was a, it was in the late eighties. There was a book that came out called 88 reasons and 88. Anybody ever hear of that? Uh, the all that were alive in the eighties. And uh, this book was basically there. Were, this guy wrote a book on 88 reasons why Jesus was going to return in 1988. And then, you know, 1989 happened. And I think the sales of that book probably plummeted. And uh, so anyway, that was probably the first time I remember someone predicting that the world was going to end that Jesus is going to return. Uh, let me just say this. Jesus returning and the world ending is not the same event. In fact, uh, the world, as we, as we know it, will end. But how many know the world of 10 years ago ended as you knew it? But really, the world is not going to end in that sense. The world is actually, God's going to recreate the earth. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And uh, however, there is some end time events that we need to be aware of. And I, I really felt like we had a new series planned today. We we're going to launch this series called Flight, which we're really excited about, man. We were like already posting social media about it. And we were like promoting, you know, we'd done all graphics and video and all this kind of work for it. And then I woke up on Tuesday morning, I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday morning, Wednesday morning. And uh, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to address the issue about the end times and the age that we live in. And, and, uh, you know, really just brings some resolve. You know, what I, what, I, what I sense from people, and not just people that don't have Jesus, but people just in general, is that we're very fearful of the end times. And I think part of that is just because we're always afraid of the unknown. But there is just a great fear and anxiety and frustration and tension concerning the quote-unquote end of the world. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I remember when I was, you know, probably seven, eight years old, having dreams that the world was ending and wake up with just this fear and this anxiety on me. And I think that we, that, that as believers, we've got to make sure that we never fall in line with fear. Amen. That we, that we, that we don't, that fear, listen, fear has no room in my life as a follower of Christ. Does that make sense? And so it doesn't matter if it's fear because the bills aren't going to get paid or, or that my kids are out past 10 o'clock at night and they were supposed to be home an hour ago. But fear does not rule my life. That fear does not have place. Are you with me? And I think a lot of times when we start thinking about end times, we get on this like fearful thing, mostly because of the unknown, but also because we've heard you know crazy people get up and talk about how bad things are going to get. And I want to address, about, about because things will get bad and, I'll, and things are bad right now in our world. Things are very bad. A lot of people are, 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 are dead today that were alive last week because of events. The political climate is crazy. We just had this eclipse. Of course, anytime there's an eclipse, people are like, it's the Lord. He's returning. And so all these things, natural disasters, violence, rumors of wars, hostile political climates, all these things get people thinking 
about the end times. This is what Jesus, now listen, there's a ton of scripture and I'm going to attempt today to get everything crammed into one message and not build a series. If, if I feel like there's some interest and we really need to dig into this a little further, then we'll, we'll carry it on in a couple of weeks. But I, I want you guys to, to write down, or if you have your app, you can make a note in there, Luke 21, Matthew 24, uh, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are great places for you to study the end time. It's interesting, you, you run into kind of these, these people that are, you know, like into anime and stuff like that. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, kind of like geeky people. Uh, I don't mean geeky like nerdy, but people that are really into things like that. If, for some reason, it's like you talk to people that don't know the Lord and they're like, yeah, I like the book of Revelation. And so it's just funny how, how uh, people, some certain types of personalities are drawn to like, the book of Revelation. And uh, we addressed that last week that really the book of Revelation does talk about end times event, events, but it's really a book about Jesus. That's why it starts off in the opening line, the revelation, not shuns, revelation of Jesus. And so great book. You need to read it. You need to have an understanding of it. And, uh, Luke chapter 21. You guys with me? Yes. Now, this is a, I, I was going to read the whole chapter, but it's just so much. And I have so much scripture today. So just bear with me. Y'all good? good? Luke 21. There will be strange time, strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. I mean, you know, think that sounds like tsunamis, sounds like hurricanes. The world is in turmoil. People will be terrified at what they see coming up on the earth, for the powers in the, heaven, uh, in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand up. And look up, for your salvation is near. The posture that Jesus gives his followers, his disciples, the posture that he encourages us in is to stand up, to look up, to look forward to what is coming, not to be afraid, not to go into hiding, but to actually anticipate the return of the Lord. This was the disciples' hope. When we look at the book of Acts, we're like, man, these guys were so urgent. They were so, so aggressive about the gospel. Man, they were transforming the world. One of the, re one of the reasons why they were so fueled is because they really believed that Jesus was going to return in their, in their time. They really believed that Jesus was going to come back in the second coming. And, and that was part of the reason, like, they were, like, so gung-ho for Jesus. Now you have all these people that kind of run around, and they're like, you know, Jesus can come back anytime. He's coming like a thief in the night. And I'm going to address some of those in, in just a minute. But I, I found that interesting because people that say that don't really live that way. I mean, if you really believe that Jesus was going to re return today, wouldn't you have like a meeting with all your families, friends, and loved ones and tell them to share the gospel with them? Wouldn't be, you, you be telling every person you ran across about the goodness of Jesus that he wanted to rescue him? I mean, wouldn't we really be acting differently if we really thought Jesus would come back today? I mean, all these people that were talking about the rapture was going to happen yesterday, they weren't really living like that, right? Uh, maybe it's just propaganda to get attention. I don't know. It's frustrating. So... My goal today, my goal today is to give you a little bit of an in introduction into eschatology. Now, when we say eschatology, I'm not just trying to use a big word. Eschatology is just the study of the end times, the study of end time events. And in Christianity, the, the end time event is not the, that we're looking forward to, that we're studying most, is not really 
First of all, the rapture. It's not the one world order. It's not the great tribulation. The end time event that we are focusing on is the return of Jesus. This is the goal. We are looking. Listen, body of Christ, listen to me. Listen to me. Your hope, your hope is that Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back. Now, he might come back differently than what you think. But he is returning. He is coming back, and he's coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. Now, here at Overflow, we have what's called closed-hand doctrine, right? And we have open-hand doctrine. So closed-hand doctrine is like Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. The Bible is the authority on all things, okay? This is what we believe. We believe that because Jesus died, we can be saved. We're saved by grace through faith, right? Those are closed-handed doctrines. And then we have like open-handed doctrines like what we're gonna talk about today. So if we don't come into agreement today on the end times, maybe you're well-studied, maybe you've just been taught something. If we don't come into agreement, those are open-handed things. We're not gonna divide. We're not gonna leave this place going, well, I can't go to that church anymore because Josh thinks the rapture is gonna happen at a different time than I do. That would be a stupid reason for us to break fellowship. How many of you all agree? Okay, great. So in fact, even even sometimes with closed-handed doctrine, sometimes it's stupid for us to break fellowship. Because I believe we should get together and reason together and have conversations. Some people are like, well, I don't want to argue. I don't want to debate. It's good for you to know what you believe. And it's good for you to be able to defend that and defend it passionately. Not to break fellowship, not to be mean, but to know what you believe and stand on it. Man, if it's worth believing, then it's worth defending. Amen? All right. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a, an overview of end time events. Y'all okay? How many of y'all are scared already? It's okay. We're, we can be honest. Um, Again, the the central point of all of this, of what we talk about the end of of the age, the central event is the return of Jesus, okay? Now, you kind of have, upon how Jesus returns, or if Jesus returns, you kind of have two broad views. First of all, you have uh, amillennialists, which believe this, that basically when Jesus talks about, let me just break this down. When Jesus returns to the earth, he's not returning to rescue everybody and take them to heaven. When Jesus comes to the earth, he's coming to establish a physical kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. Okay, we call this the millennial reign. So we had the time before Christ, which was the Old Testament. We had the time of Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is, I I like to call that the kingdom age. It's where the kingdom of God is on earth, but not in physical form, but spiritually living through us. That's why sickness and all that kind of stuff has to bow. And then you have when Jesus returns, there'll be another age for the church. There's going to be a thousand years on the earth. Jesus is going to come. He's going to rule from Jerusalem. He's going to, and some of you are like, well, I didn't know this. Just read. It's all over the Bible. He's going to rule on the earth for a thousand years. And those that follow Jesus are going to rule with him for a thousand years. Okay. And then after that, he's going to recreate the earth and we're going to live with Jesus forever. So the end, listen, I can tell you the end of the world is not going to happen for at least another thousand years. Okay, at least because Jesus hasn't returned. But all millennialists believe this. All millennialists believe that that's never going to happen. The scripture speaks of that, that it's basically figurative and it's not literal. Then you have premillennialists, and this is more the orthodox view. When we say orthodox, we're saying that this is what the disciples believed. Okay, uh, premillennialists believe that Jesus will return to earth and reign for a thousand years. Okay, that is the general Christian view. If you go through any 
mainline denomination, talk to any level-headed Christian, most of them are going to say, yes, we believe that Jesus will return and rule on the earth for a thousand years. Jesus is returning. It's going to be awesome. We're going to rule with him. It's going to be sweet. How many of y'all think that'd be awesome if you didn't have to worry about kings and political figures if Jesus was that one, right? Okay, so that's what it will look like when the millennial happens. Now, the confusion is this event when Jesus returns, okay? Now, Scripture only speaks really of one event. The event is the return of Jesus. And at that time, it says that the dead of Christ will rise, okay? So even in the Old Testament, they believed in this. They called it the resurrection. So really, the event of the second returning of Jesus is called the resurrection. Later, in, because of 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, says this, that, that we will meet him in the air, the dead in Christ, people that have been dead in Jesus, you know, maybe loved ones that you have known, disciples, people like that. When Jesus returns, all the bodies are going to take up new bodies. Scripture calls it our heavenly bodies. They're going to take up new bodies. We are going to, if we're on the earth, when this happens, we're all going to be like vacuumed up into the air and meet Jesus in the air. And then we're going to come back and rule and reign with him. Now, some, what we refer to this is the, the language that we use for this is the rapture. Everybody say the rapture. So when people talk about the rapture, the word rapture isn't in the Bible, but the word uh, caught up or we caught up in the air is in the Bible. And that's where we get that word. It's a Latin word rapture for the word caught up. So what has happened is we've built, built this theology around this event where we meet Jesus in the earth. So in people that all most believers believe in the millennial reign of Christ, he's going to rule for a thousand years. And then in that you kind of have three camps of when the uh, rapture is going to happen. Okay. I think we have some drawings here. You guys, we, we got this. Okay. So right here we have the cross, which represents Jesus when he came and died. And then you have this first group of people called, uh, pre-tribulation or pre-tribulationist. Okay. So these are people that basically believe that the church is going to be raptured up. We're going to meet Jesus, go to heaven. And then after we leave, you know, uh, with Kirk Cameron, we're going to go up into heaven and, and, uh, all these bad things are going to happen on the earth. <laughs> That's funny. And then all these things are going to, I think there was another guy that, that did a movie, Nick Cage, you know, we're going to go up in Nick Cage. I didn't see that one. And I don't think I see you. Okay. So, and, then, and then these seven years are going to happen at the end of those seven years, Jesus is going to come back with a bride. And then we're going to do the millennial reign at the end of that. There's going to be a judgment. Okay. That's called pre-tribulation. Most Americans believe this because this is what's been taught in church. Okay. So this is called the mid-tribulation view. So they're saying, okay, what's going to happen is the great tribulation, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. The seven years are going to happen. And in the middle of that, in about three and a half years, all the people in Christ are going to be sucked up into heaven and then they're going to be in heaven. And then at the end, the next three and a half years are going to come back. We call those uh, mid-tribulation people. And then you have what's called post-tribulation. And post-tribulation means that basically the, the, the church will be on the earth during the great tribulation, the whole tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus will rapture his church. We're going to go up into heaven, get heavenly bodies and come back and rule on the earth with Jesus. And so this is the post-tribulation view. So the most popular view in America is pre-tribulation. The most popular view for the apostles and the disciples was post-tribulation. That is what I hold to. I hold to a post-tribulation view. Um, some of you are like, oh, really? Yes, I do hold to that. Um, I, when I first got saved, let, let me kind of tell you my journey on that. 
When I first got saved in 1993, I was saved in a, in a denominational church. It's an incredible church. I'm so grateful for it, man. We were experiencing renewal in our church. God was moving. But one of the things that was preached is that um, Jesus could return at any moment. So you had to make sure that you were right all the time. And you got to make sure that you didn't, if you cussed today, that you prayed uh, that God would forgive you or in the middle of the night, because he's going to come like a thief in the night in the middle of the night, what's going to happen if you didn't confess your sins is that Jesus is going to return and he's going to take everybody and you're going to be left all alone because you sinned that day. And so I believe that. And it sounds funny. I, I believe that. So every night when I went to bed, you know, because I sin just like you, I sin every day. And so I'd go to bed and I would be like, Lord, forgive me today. And I had, I had to remember all the sins that I committed. And so I would pray and say, okay, um, I think I looked at three women lustfully today. And I think that I cursed in my mind like twice. And so, Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray I don't miss the rapture. And so... <laughs> So much fear, listen, so much fear, a lot of evangelism and things like that in the, in, in the 70s and 80s especially were driven by this tactic that get right before with God or you're going to miss the rapture. And so there was this fear that people would get saved and kind of like people do with, with hell a little bit, you know, you're going to go to hell, which there's truth to that, but people shouldn't be getting saved out of a fear thing. I mean, you know, whatever the motivation is, it's great as long as you get saved. But the problem was, is it made very insecure Christians who were like just concerned about making the rapture. Okay. Uh, I want to make sure I'm not miss the rapture. So, you know, we would do our, our rapture practice, you know, outside practicing the rapture. So we'd have all those things. In fact, my friend, uh, growing up, Robbie, uh, he, uh, he told me, he said, one night in the middle of the night, he heard a real loud sound, like he heard a bang, boom, woke him up in the middle of the night, and he called our youth pastor, Gail, and he, and he, just to see if he had missed the rapture, because he heard this sound. So he knew that Gail didn't miss the rapture, so he called Gail in the middle of the night, you know, and as soon as Gail picked up the phone, he hung up on him, just to make sure he didn't miss the rapture. So I'm trying to give you this view to understand how much fear, isn't that funny? How much fear is driven in this theory. Now, if you believe that, we're not going to break fellowship over that. I don't subscribe to that view because I started studying the scriptures and I started looking at what the Bible said, not based upon what I was taught, but upon the scripture. And so these are some reasons real quick that I don't believe a pre-tribulation rapture. First of all, scripture speaks of a second return of Jesus, not a third return of Jesus. And so when Jesus returns, the rapture is going to happen. It doesn't say that Jesus is going to come two and a half times or three times. It says that Jesus is going to come a second time. So my hope isn't in a rapture. My hope is in a second coming. Second reason I believe, don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture is because a pre-tribulation rapture theory or, or doctrine, if you want to call it that, is only 190 years old by, the man, by a man by the name of John Darby. Um, in the 1800s, 1830s, uh, John Darby uh, kind of had this idea that the church is going to get raptured up, going to leave the, the earth void of the church. Uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the earth void of the church, no Holy Spirit on the earth. They're going to go away and God's going to judge the earth and all this bad stuff's going to happen and there's not going to be, and people will get saved during that time, but nobody's going to be there. So he came up with this idea in the 1830s. So really a pre-tribulation rapture has only been believed from about 150 to 180 years. So it's a new doctrine. The apostles didn't believe it. Not that that makes it false, but that does make it suspect. 
Would you agree that at least makes it suspect? And so that caused me to really dig in and discover what I believe. And the other thing that Jesus talks about is Jesus actually promises that we will go through tribulation in Matthew chapter 24. So scripture actually says that we will face martyrdom, that we will face death, that we will face destruction. And there's like 150 chapters in the Bible dealing with end time events. So if Jesus is going to take the church out, then why do we, why do we have so much room devoted in our scriptures of how to handle that age? So that's why I don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. But if you believe in it, awesome. That's great. Let's talk about seven. You okay? Okay. We're not going to break fellowship if you don't agree with that. I just encourage you, if you don't agree with it, study the scriptures, know what you believe, not because your pastor told you or because you're raised that way. You should never believe anything for that reason. Even good things, you should dig in and discover it for yourself. Amen? So let's talk about this event called the tribulation. Can we look back up? You can even do the pre-trib one just because, so people feel comfortable. Uh, so basically you have this segment in here called the tribulation. Now this is seven years. And what's going to happen during this seven years is the Lord is going to get the earth ready for his return. Okay. And there's going to be, this is where we're going to see a, an increase of, of nat, all these natural events, which I'm going to talk about some of those. Matthew 24 verse 21 says this, and it says in the King James version, the older versions use the word great tribulation. So I'm reading that from that today. Matthew 24, 21, for then there will be a great tribulation such as never been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no one shall, uh, no, nor shall ever be. So basically what he's saying is like, man, it's going to get really hard. The world's going to get really dark. There's going to be a lot of violence on the earth. And by violence, we don't mean just between people, but the earth will actually be shaken and all these events. And it, basically there's 21 events, uh, in the book of revelation. It talks about seals, trumpets, and bowls. Okay. So all these things happen now during this time, when it gets really bad, there'll be this, this world leader that starts rising up and he's going to be called the Antichrist. You guys have heard of the Antichrist, right? Um, a lot of people over the years have been considered the Antichrist, right? Hitler was considered the Antichrist. I think there was a couple of popes that were considered the Antichrist. I think people think that uh, uh, President Trump is the Antichrist. Some people think that President Obama was the Antichrist. So all these people have these ideas on who the Antichrist is. Um, know this, that the center of the end times will revolve around Israel. They won't really have anything to do. America might be a, a, a role player in it, but it won't be about America. And so most of our eschatology, we think, oh, America's this, da 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 oh, the West is da da Listen, America is not even mentioned in the Bible, in case you didn't know, we haven't been a nation that long, as far as the world is concerned. But Israel to scripture is central. And when Jesus comes and he rules, he is going to rule from Israel. He's, when he comes down, when he comes down, he's going to, he's going to break the earth open and he's going to set up his kingdom in Israel and rule the earth. And he'd say, man, Israel, that's crazy. Israel's only, in case you don't know this, Israel, the nation of Israel is only about the size of New Jersey. That's how small Israel is. But it's interesting that Israel has been significant for history, in history for as long as it has been. And so, um, so this man's going to rise up. And, and don't think, listen, our tendency is to think the Antichrist is going to be hated like Hitler. That's actually quite the opposite. He will be very loved by people. He'll be very charismatic. And, and listen, many unaware believers will follow the lead of the Antichrist. 
Many Jewish people will follow the lead of the Antichrist because he's going to be preaching this uh, fake gospel of justice, of peace. He's going to be talking about unity among the nations, all this kind of talk about just coming in and there are many ways to God and, oh, we just want justice for all mankind and everybody just needs to be celebrated and all this type of thing. And he's, everybody's going to be like, oh man, we love this guy. You should be our leader. And he's going to come and he's going to establish a system and uh, he'll use biblical, he's going to use biblical language. Listen to me. He'll use biblical language, but, but the way he's using it will be an error. Now, I'm not trying to freak you out. And this is why it's important for you to be on the edge of your seat about spiritual things and current events so you know when this is coming and you know your Bible so you're not deceived, okay? So he's going to rise up. He's going to establish... Uh, like a one world system. He's going to be a ruler pretty much of the whole. It doesn't mean they'll, there won't they'll necessarily be one nation. That's kind of the common belief. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but he's going to implement this thing called the mark of the beast, right? You guys have heard of that. Hey, that's where he's going to tattoo 666 on everybody's head. No, it's probably not going to look like that. It's going to probably look some kind of technology or microchip. But basically, um, I used to be afraid that, you know, when I got a debit card for the first time and I went to use it at to buy my gas, I got a little scared. I thought maybe I have the mark of the beast because I have because I was raised with this idea. I hope I didn't take the mark of the beast because if I take the mark of the beast, I'm doomed, right? Like there's no there's no rescue from that. So I was afraid to use my debit card the first time I used it because I thought that maybe it's going to become a card and then they're going to make it a chip. L- l- let me reassure you in this: you will not accidentally take the mark of the beast. Okay, let me just alleviate your fear. It won't be some accident. You know, Apple devices, they're the mark of the beast because it's an apple and it's got a bite. Listen, you will have to deny Jesus and you will have to pledge allegiance to this man called the Antichrist in order to get the mark of the beast. And in order to, to buy, sell, and trade food, groceries, anything, you will have to take this mark. This is how bad it will get during this time. Um, and the timelines depend. Some people say, well, it's at the beginning of the tribulation that happens. Some say that it's at the middle. I kind of hold to that view. Um, during this time, there's going to be great war, these seven years, great war, great famine on the earth. Listen, what we've seen on the earth in the last month, which has been terrible, and know this, that there have been worse earthquakes and hurricanes and things like that. If you study your history, you'll find out that this isn't the worst we've ever seen. But it will be, this will be very light in comparison to what we see. Okay? I do think that we're, the technology and the age that we're living in with cell phones and being able to see all across the world to be able to know events within just a moment of when it happens, I think that all that is part of the technology that is driving to this event. doesn't mean that if you have a cell phone, you've got the mark of the beast. I don't think that. I mean, if that's the case, I've, I've got it, so we're in trouble. Um, but So all this drama, listen, a quarter to a third of the earth will die during this time. Okay, we're talking like three billion people are going to die during this time. It's going to be dark. It's going to be, they're going to die from wars. They're going to die from diseases. They're going to die from pestilence. They're going to die uh, from, from violence, all kinds of things. The world is going to be a very violent place. But let me encourage you, and we're going to switch gears here a little bit because some of you were scared. Listen, don't be afraid because it will be, during this time, during these seven years, will be the most glorious hour of the church. Listen, the church, we will receive, listen, over a billion people 
people harvested it. Over a billion people come to Jesus during the great tribulation and say, oh, it's terrible. What are we going to do? I don't like this man who's leading and I don't know what to do. And the body of Christ is going to come forth and strengthen with signs, miracles, and wonders more than even in the book of Acts. So what we see in the book of Acts, the church is going to rise with power and many people are going to see the love of God. They're going to see the power of God and we're going to see the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. Now, I, know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on that. I want to be in. I want to be on the front lines of that revival. So if that means missing the rapture, cool. I'm out. Count me out. I want to be on the front edge of revival. Don't you want to be in on the great last day's revival that the world has ever seen? I'm talking billions of people coming to Jesus. And as you can imagine, in this system, that's going to create a lot of problems. Then martyrdom is going to increase. Um, some people say, well, doesn't God want to, this is one of the arguments for the, the tribulation. Don't you think that, that God wouldn't want his people to go through that? I believe this. I believe that it'll be much like Moses and the children of Israel during the great tribulation, that we're going to receive supernatural miracles like they saw. And you know, like if you know anything about um, the children of Israel, when they were in the desert, their shoes didn't wear out. They, God provided them food every day. I believe those are the kind of miracles that the church is going to see. In fact, this is going to be part of the thing that draws people because they're going to see that, we're, that we didn't pledge allegiance to the system, but God provided. They're going to see that a hurricane hit my house and destroyed, and there I am saved. God's going God's to protect us with what, what some of us call pockets of mercy. So there's going to be all this disaster happening, and we're going to be safe. And we're not going to, they're going to, how are you safe? Did you invest money? No, God kept me safe with these pockets of mercy. So this is how the body of Christ will endure. However, martyrdom, which means dying for your faith, the most glorious thing you can do for God, by the way, let me, let me encourage you this. The worst thing that can happen to you during the great tribulation is that you die. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. Actually, it's not. The worst thing that can happen to you is you die without Christ. That would be the worst thing that could happen to you. So I'm dead. Well, you'll only be dead for, you know, at the most seven years. And then you'll get a new body and then you'll come and you'll rule with Jesus. Okay. Um, Billions of people saved. Okay. Pockets of mercy. At the climax of this moment, at at the end of the seven years, martyrdom will be prevalent. People, be, people you know, if we're, if we're alive during this time, people I know, people, people in this room, maybe your pastor, maybe your friends, will, will die for Christ. Will die because of Christ. Jesus promised this. That the world will hate us because of him. And we will get the honor of dying for Jesus. It's an honor. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you or freak you out, but we will have that honor of dying for Jesus. But when Jesus looks from heaven at this seven years... Can I tell you that there is a king, a man in heaven, that will be sitting on a white horse with burning fire in his eyes, with a sword ready, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will be watching these events. And he's going to see the blood of the martyrs. He's going to see those that are dying for him. And he's going to be looking at his father with anticipation as his horse is galloping in heaven in the throne room of heaven. And he's going to be looking and he's going to be, dad, is it time? Dad, is it time? Is it time? And then he's going to, God's going to say, I've seen enough. Go. 
And Jesus is going to gallop out of heaven on a horse. And he's going to have an army with him. And he's coming to the earth. And we that are on the earth, they were suffering persecution or were dead in a grave. We're going to come up out of our grave. For those that are, that are living on the earth, we will rise up to meet him in the air. And we will be equipped with heavenly bodies. And we'll come back, rule with him. And we will destroy and overthrow the spirit of the age, the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of the world. And we will rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years with Jesus. It's good news. The end is good news. And it's, the end is not the end. The end is the beginning. It's a fiery bridegroom who is coming. So what now? What do we do now? What do we do? We need to be ready in our waiting. And I want to talk to you about that for just a few minutes. Understand that, first of all, is this. If we're going to be ready and waiting, first of all, we need to grow in our awareness. Grow in our awareness. There's 90 chapters in the Bible devoted to Jesus on his coming and, and dwelling on the earth. There's over 150 chapters in your Bible about the end times. It's crazy. So grow in your awareness. There's a spirit of the age uh, that is on the earth, and it's on the earth now. It was on the earth with the disciples, and that's the Antichrist, right? The Antichrist spirit will precede the Antichrist. We see Antichrist all the time, every day. People that are against Jesus, listen, the spirit that says Jesus is not the way is an Antichrist spirit. Inclusivism, Antichrist spirit. Universalism, Antichrist spirit, which basically means that God's going to judge you by your sincerity, not by what Jesus did. It's a spirit of the age. It's an Antichrist spirit. Check this out. It was in the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. Every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So John is saying this way back, you know, close to 2,000 years ago. He's saying, listen, the spirit of the Antichrist is already on the earth. It wasn't saying the person is, but the spirit of Antichrist. Again, false peace, this whole coexist thing, and everybody's just kind of right, all this little love, harmony, let's all just get along. Listen, that's great, but there is truth. Tolerance, false tolerance, false justice, self-righteousness, or a lot of the stuff that the media is preaching us, preaching at us, Right? saying, oh, you need to be good, which they don't have no compass for what good is. All of this is an anti-Christ spirit. Anything that would say that you don't need Christ to be right and to be righteous is an anti-Christ spirit. Do you understand? This is the spirit of the age. The second thing that we need to be aware of is the times and seasons. So read Daniel, read Revelation, read John, uh, Luke chapter 21, read Matthew 24. Know your Bible, read your scriptures. If you don't know, I don't, man, I'm, I'm not like a great at eschatology. Like it's, you know, kind of something that I believe and I know why I believe it, but I'm not like a great teacher of it. So I go to Mike Bickle and I go to uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. They are really good at this stuff. So I go there for resources and I trust it and I, you know, and I temper it with the word of God and I measure it and those kind of things. So, so find a resource. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus says this, this will relate to those people 
that were making these claims yesterday. Nobody knows the day or the hour, or even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So Jesus, in, in, at least in this time, and I believe even now, does not even know when he's returning. Only the Father knows. And I don't, I, personally, I don't believe that Jesus is on the horse yet, because I think he's going to mount up at the beginning of those seven years. And he's going to get on that horse, and he's going to come back, and he's going to receive his bride. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What I'm telling you, because this is what we do, right? We go, well, we talked a little bit about this last week. Well, we can't really know, so I won't explore that subject. Right? We can't really know. I don't know. You can know. That's why you have a Bible. That's why you have the Spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians 5. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we do not really need to write to you. For you know quite well the day when the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful, peaceful and secure, this is what the world will be saying. Oh, it's all peaceful. We've got this ruler. We're getting rid of the annoying Christians. Right? Then disaster will fall on them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things. Brothers and sisters, you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We do not belong to the darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. So scripture tells us, be aware. Know what's going on in the world. Know what's going on in the end times. Have an understanding. Well, of course this is happening. Not just because Pastor Josh taught that message that one time, but because you got in the Bible and you studied the scriptures. So be aware. Everybody good? Number two, prepare your heart. Everybody say that. Prepare my heart. If you don't catch anything else, I say catch this today. The return of Christ is not a funeral. It's a wedding. The return of Christ is not a funeral. It's a wedding. Jesus is coming back for a bride. Come on. People say, well, he's coming back to judge the earth. That will happen. But the reason is, is because of what the earth has done to his bride. He's a fiery man in heaven. Listen, I I know, I know, like you saw the little picture of nice little blonde haired blue eyed American Jesus. I know you saw that. And that's the way you think Jesus is just meek and mild and tender. When he comes back, he's not coming like that. He's irate because of what the spirit of the age is doing to his bride. Regardless of what a lot of Christians think, Jesus actually loves the church. Regardless of what you think about yourself, Jesus really actually does love you. And not just because the Bible tells him so. Revelation 19 verse 6. I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. And the fine linen, listen, stands for the righteous acts of the saints. So Jesus is looking for a bride that is pure, that has made herself ready. What's your purity look like? What's your heart look like? Are you prepared? 
Are you preparing for a wedding or are you preparing for an escape route? Most people are preparing for a way out. Jesus wants us to prepare for a way in, a way in to intimacy. And let me, let me say this. Let me, let me deal with this. A lot of people are like, well, you know, when I see all this stuff happening, then I'm going to get right with God. When I see all this happening, then I'm going to, you know, then I'll, then, then, I'll, then I'll get right with God. Understand this, that during this time, especially those that know the truth, it will be the hardest time to come to Jesus because of persecution, because it, look at the way Jesus says, because of increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Those that already love Jesus, the love of most will grow cold. This is called the great apostasy. So what's going to happen is if, if you're a believer, you need to get your heart ready right now. Quit waiting till you get a better job or until someone comes to you or to make things ready. Because when it gets hard and it gets difficult, bitterness will increase. Coldness will gr- increase. The, the Greek word is wax cold. So it's like something that was hot and burning at one time over time. And because of the conditions, because of the elements has grown cold and now it's hard. So Jesus is saying this, get right, deal with the bitterness, deal with the unforgiveness, deal with your coldness, deal with your apathy, deal with your, your lack of compassion, deal with it now. That way when the elements come in, it does, you don't get harder all the more. But did you get to that point and you say, yes, God, I want to have a heart that is tender. We, we have a lot of anger and a lot of tension and a lot of offense in the body of Christ. In my opinion is that those are the people that are going to be part of that great apostasy because the hot will get hotter and the cold will get colder. Guard your heart. I warn you, beloved, guard your heart. Keep your love hot. Keep your love hot. Even more as the day approaches. So urgency, that urgency said, man... If you can't say, let me say this, if you can't develop, because you might not be saying it yet, but if you can't develop in your heart that says, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. If you can't develop that kind of affection in your heart, I would say, get your love hot. Develop a fire in your heart for the love of Jesus that you long for the bridegroom to come. The urgency of the spirit and the urgency of the bride. Listen, in Revelation, it says, it's the spirit and the bride say, come that the longing of the church would not be take me, but it would be come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come like you promised. We long for you. And listen, not just an urgency for our own lives, but what about the urgency for your loved ones? Beloved, we need to get serious about winning people for Jesus. The Lord can come at any moment. Do you really believe that? If you believe that, then why are, you, <laughs> why are you in church today? Why aren't you out winning people to Jesus? I'm just saying. I mean, if people really believe Jesus could return at any moment. I don't think he can return at any moment. I think there's these events that must happen. However, the end can begin at any moment. And I want to make sure that I'm ready for that. Y'all okay with that? Yes. Number three, renounce fear. And this is really what I wanted to deal with today. Fear. Renounce fear of the end times. Listen, the end is not the end. It is the beginning. God, listen, when it's dark as it is, understand this part of the reason why there's going to be so many miracles on the earth is because there's going to be so much trust because we're going to be so vulnerable. We're going to be like, God, all I have is you. And he's going to say, I've been waiting for thousands of years for you to say, all I need is you. So let me empower you to usher in the greatest harvest the world has ever known. And understand that even in that day, 
There's, there's some like false theology that teaches that the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth during this time. It's ridiculous. I've never seen that scripture. Listen, you, you are and you always, always will be the object of the Lord's affection. You will always be the object of his love and the object of his mercy. And as it's dark as the world gets, you will be beloved. You will still be his. And rejecting fear means growing in love. Keep your love hot. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. How much? None. Beloved, there's no fear in love. So if you've got fear in your heart, grow in your love. Grow in your love for Jesus and grow in your understanding of his love for you. God loves me. He'll protect me. He'll guard me. And if I do die, I get to be with him. The worst thing I can do is take our lives. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Lord, perfect us in love. And number four, embrace faithfulness. Embrace faithfulness. That the cry of our heart would say, Lord, I will be faithful in this age. And I will be faithful in the age to come. I will be faithful, Jesus, because of what you've done for me. Because you're a faithful God. I will be faithful in this age. I will be faithful in the small. And I will be faithful in the big. I will be faithful here and there and everywhere. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. Titus 2, verse 12. We're instructed to turn from godless living. Listen, we sit around and we're like, oh, God doesn't really care about this and my little things. And where can I compromise? This is how we do as the body of Christ. Where can I compromise? What can I get away from, away with? (laughs) Maybe you're trying to get away from something. That'll preach. What can I get? Well, what's sin and what's not sin? How close to the bridegroom can you get? Yeah. How close to the Holy Spirit can you get? How sensitive can your, can, your, can your spirit be? We are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward to the hope, to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, every kind of sin, and to make us his very own people, listen to this, totally committed to doing good deeds. Lord, we'll be faithful in this age and in the age to come. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast, whether you do that through our app and listen every week, or you're just listening for the first time. Hey, if the podcast is a blessing to you, if you would, you know, mention us on social media at OverflowDFW or hashtag OverflowDFW. We'd love to hear how we're being an encouragement to you. You can also email us at OverflowDFW at gmail.com. 